episode four of Audition Notes with Mark and Nick. Hello and welcome to today's uh, podcast, episode number four. Yes, and it's a beautiful sunny day in Glasgow. The sun is streaming through the windows, so I hope wherever you are, uh, you are sitting comfortably and eagerly awaiting our next instalment. Today's topic we're quite excited about. We could probably talk for a couple of hours, but don't worry, we won't uh, on this topic. So, Hayley... Tell us what we're going to be talking about today. How can subtext help your audition scene? So, how can subtext help your audition scene? Uh, Nick? Um, Subtext has got to be one of my favourite weapons in the arsenal uh, of being a great actor. It can help us in all sorts of ways because subtext basically gives us clarity of thought yeah for every line every sentence so I suppose the best first thing to do is to say what is subtext Mm. so how would you describe subtext Mark? okay well we know we've got lines Mm -hmm. and we know they kind of float on the surface Uh, and I mean there's (laughs) Try and explain this in detail. Oh, we could talk about the 93.7. Right, okay. So, in human communication, it's roughly agreed that verbal communication, the words we speak, is considerably less uh, communicative than the other sort of 90 to 93%, which is non-verbal, um, body language, gesture, posture, eye contact, proximity, tone pitch, pace, rhythm of voice, etc, etc, etc. I can hear at this point loads of you thinking, what, how can words just account for roughly 7% of our communication skills? Well, you know, it's based on a scientific study that was done decades ago. It's it's one opinion, but we find that it works really well when you look at uh, acting because there's so much happening other than just the words themselves. This is why you can get a thousand versions of the same production of the same play, let's just for argument's sake, let's take Hamlet. Look how many recent versions there have been of Hamlet. No two, uh, no, no two versions are the same. The words are exactly the same. Even arguably the rhythm, you could argue, is the same because it follows the iambic pentameter. Uh, but Every actor's interpretation of Hamlet is going to be different. Uh, And, and, you know, it's different vocally, it's different with gesture. Subtext is part of that 93% of non-word, non-verbal communication. Absolutely. Um, And it's about what the word means in this context. What do these words mean in this context? Um, yesterday I was writing a blog um, called Your Job Is Not To Speak, or Your Job Is Not To Act Words, which is a quote from Stella Adler. Um, you know, your, body, your, your job is to embody um, all of the intention, thought, emotion, feelings, actions, uh, and finally, and lastly, um, the words. Uh, and it's tricky, because as I pointed out in the blog, you know, every part of the rehearsal process appears to be about words and reading it, looking at your lines, highlighting your lines, memorising your lines, rehearsing the script. It all seems to be about the words, but actually 
the words are last, and uh, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. I'll just explain something that I usually do in most of my classes, which is to remind everybody that words come last in our communication process. Um, not only are they anthropologically last in our development, we pointed, we grunted, we looked long before we could shape sound into words. So they are last in our communication and they're last in our development as human beings. Um, and their true meaning depends on the context in which they're, spe- they're spoken. So change the context, change the intention behind speaking them, and those same words um, change. A good example, of course, is to just ask somebody you know how they're doing and they go, yeah, I'm fine. And there's just, not fine. there's just nothing fine about, about how they are. And that's very clearly spoken to you through the subtext, if that's what you're listening to. Um, the danger when we act the words is that you're, you're just communicating literal meaning without ever going deeper than that. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that ever affects the audience. I don't think it's your words that affect the audience by themselves. It's how you do it. The subtext, the subtext gives you the how. Subtext underneath the text. What lies beneath what you're trying to say. Yeah, let me what just you're kind of trying to convey. Take us down this, this kind of idea. So mm-hmm. something happens. Yeah, like a trigger. A trigger. Right. Something happens in the scene. And within that context of what's happening, uh, you have an intention, a want, a desire, a goal, an objective, call, call it whatever you want. Okay? And the trigger causes thoughts in the character. Of course, it does. The, it, the situation means something to them. Um, you walk into the room and you catch your boyfriend kissing somebody else. This line, hi, is no longer a greeting. Because what are you what are you thinking? Like what the We're not allowed to swear in this podcast, by the way. Oh, is that right? iTunes says it has to be clean, so we might have to do an X-rated version on SoundCloud. It's gonna be tricky. Um anyway, those thoughts tend to engender emotions. What a barstool he is to be uh, cheating on me. I'm really jealous and angry. That tends to lead to action in their direction. And that tends to lead to words. Now, context, intention, thoughts, emotions, and psychological actions all push us in the direction of the subtextual meaning. Um, And the good example that we thought of from Shakespeare is to be or not to be. Um, So first of all, you would look at that on a literal level. It being Shakespeare, uh, we would need to translate that into our modern language, first of all, to understand the literal meaning. So literally, Mark, what does to be or not to be, that is the question. What does that mean, literally? Uh, to live or not to live, to exist or not to exist, to live or die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is the question being, that's the thing I'm, I'm trying to decide about. Yeah. Okay? yeah. So I'm trying to decide whether to live or die, isn't it literal? And that's good, because we made a literal translation for Shakespeare. So we translated his poetry into something literal, but that's not subtext. That's just the literal meaning. That's surface level. Underneath that surface, in the subtext of that, what are you trying to say with that line? And that is entirely interpretable 
for you as the actor within the context of, of, the, of the play and the world of the play and sometimes within the context of what the director wants um, you've got to, to find your way of conveying that what do you mean by that? Yeah, I mean, I could absolutely hear Hamlet saying, I don't know if I can carry on. Yeah. You know, I, I cannot put up with this any longer. I miss my dad and I can't stand who my mum has become and my uncle is a murderer. I don't think I can carry on. I don't think I can do, deal with this any longer. You know, he's, he's having genuine thoughts about his own mortality. Yeah. So so decide on what you think the strongest the strongest element of that decision is that you've made. And I would say, I don't think I can carry on. Because that tells us how you feel about it. It's short, it's punchy, it's to the point. You could almost write an exclamation mark at the end of that and remind you that you that you want to drive that point home. And suddenly to be or not to be that is the question becomes about you communicating this idea that I don't know if I can carry on. Yeah, I don't know if I can carry on. That's, that's the problem. Uh, and one of the things I do with our clients is I ask them from their own position, thinking about the context, thinking about where Hamlet is, is mentally, where he is emotionally. Um, you know, if you were to say, I don't know if I can carry on, that's the problem. You know, if you were in his shoes, how would you say it? And what I like to do is record them so that they can, so I can play it back and they can hear it. And so they would play it back and after one or two times when their self-consciousness goes away, I ask them to listen to what it is that's communicating strongest um, in, that, in that sentence they've created with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing that needs to fill those words to be or not to be. That's what makes it come alive. Right. That's what you really mean by that. It doesn't prescribe to you, though, how you're going to say it. We'll talk in later podcasts about things like actions, as some of you might be aware of. We call them tactics. So that's that's the method of delivery, of what you're trying to do to the other person but that that, knowing what your subtext is doesn't mean you're fixed in terms of how you deliver the line because even I don't think I could carry on you can you can say that you can deliver that in 50 different ways yeah I mean the action behind it can change if you like the tactic behind it can change let's look at another Shakespeare one Um, one of the most common uh, speeches that, that we do drama school edition coaching for. Uh, I think the opening line is something like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do think it is her husband's fault if wives do fall. Yeah, I think it's our husband's fault. Our husband's or fault. Or their husband's fault. I, yeah. think it, I don't think it is their husband's fault if wives do fall. And that's from? That's from Emilia in Othello. Right. Um, and, you know, she's replying to Desdemona, who's kind of like, so the trigger for this is Desdemona saying, oh, I, but I, I don't know any women who would stand up to their husbands. Um, you know, um, Desdemona in this scene is a bit of a wet blanket and, um, and is Emilia, the kind of worldly wise kind of uh, friend, lady in waiting, whatever she is, um, is, uh, is trying to encourage 
uh, Desdemona to stick up for herself. So there's something of the intention there. I've given you trigger context and intention. Um, and she's starting to think, oh, come on now, love, wake up. Um, if, if, we ha- if, if we misbehave, it's, it's absolutely our husbands that taught us. And that's kind of the subtext of the, of the final line as, uh, as well. Um, so her desire to school, educate, tutor, lecture, um, instruct um, Desdemona causes this line to change its meaning. And this line changes its meaning to, hey, hold on. (laughs) They they teach us how to misbehave. Yeah, that, that, that that would be a great subtext line. They teach us how to misbehave, exclamation mark. Or they have to take responsibility. You know, any of those things. Um, it's, it's, it's should, a good subtext should be punchy, it should be sharp, accurate, it should not be a rewriting of the, of the line. It's no. very, very easy to fall in the trap of when you're trying to think of subtext for a line. I think it's not our faults as wives, but instead it's our husbands if we fall. Right. Is it just a rewriting of the same line, right? Yeah, to be or not to be, that is the question. Uh, you, subtext wouldn't be, I'm not sure whether to commit suicide or not. Yeah, that's a literal uh, interpretation of it and not the, the subtext. It doesn't tell the audience how you feel about it. I think that's so, so important. I think when a person is acting lines... They're trying to make it sound realistic with very, you know, like you mean it, believable, with varying degrees of success, actually. Um, and, and once you have an opinion on what you're saying, which comes from this idea, this trigger, context, intention, thoughts, emotions and actions. Once you've got an opinion on that, and once you bring that opinion across in the line by making a decision about what's really going on in that line, then the entire line changes and you actually embody everything under that line and the line. But I tell you what, the, the, audience, the audition panel and your audience, they can tell when you're acting either in a scene with, with another actor or doing a monologue, they'll know exactly which lines you haven't thought about on any deep level to, to work out how you feel about it because you'll skip across them. Yeah, I was watching some, just some people doing scenes on YouTube yesterday. I kind of do that as part of my self-coaching thing is watch other people's performances and try and work out how I would improve them. And, and the problem is when there's no, when there's no context, intention, thought, emotion, subtext, action mm-hmm. it's empty it just comes out as empty what happens in those situations if I'm a, a member of the, of the casting panel or the audition panel I'll ask the actor I'll say that line in the second chunk there uh, what, what do you mean by that and then you'll know straight away from the actor's face whether they've actually made a decision or not and what the so those who are not confident will just rewrite the line. Well, they mean they mean they don't know whether to commit suicide or not, right? But 
But how do you feel about it? What do you really mean? Right. Your, your opinion, your choice is so important. It's so incredibly important. They're not looking for you to regurgitate Hamlet like Kenneth Branagh or like David Tennant or like whoever else. Etc. Right? We're not, they're not looking for you to, uh, to do uh, Shakespeare or anything else like someone else would. They need you to make creative choices. And those creative choices do not come from your posterior, I assure you. <laughs> Let's look at an example of, I mean, we've talked about Shakespeare, which is great. Uh, and people might think, well, yeah, absolutely, we need to have text Shakespeare because it's so difficult. Well, I'll tell you what, folks, you need it for everything. And let's look at a contemporary couple of lines. So, yeah, well, there's a great book called The Book of Signs by uh, Dave Cost. Dave Cost, he's just brought out a second book of Signs, Book of Signs 2, the sequel. Um, and it's two page scenes. This is one page signs. They're really good for acting classes. Um, they're much trickier than they seem. Yeah. Much trickier than they seem. Uh, and this little two lines is, is from a scene we use a lot with our part time students. Uh, on the surface, very simple, but can, actually... Can we, uh, can we do a link or something so that people can get a copy of a PDF of that? Or I don't know, maybe, maybe you could email us and we could send you something. Yeah, if you need a link to the book of science, I mean, go on Google and, 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 and have a look as well. Um, so there's a scene that we use quite a lot um, with our part-time classes. It's called A Little Drunk. Um, just explain very, very briefly what the sort of premise of the scene is. Yeah, so um, someone's been out the night before and uh, their friend is sort of giving them a caring, hard time about it. Um, not only have they been drunk, but they also drove home. So um, if we go through this trigger uh, for this scene is, you know, you, you were drinking and driving. Trigger for the other character is kind of like the other person is nagging at them when they've got a hangover probably. So that's the context as well, um, and you know, kind of one person is, is 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 trying to get the other person to promise to to not do this again, and the other one really just wants the other one to kind of back off and mind their own business. To be honest, so let's look at the first two lines of that scene. So the first line, uh, the character says, "You were drunk last night," and the second line is, "Not really." Mm -hmm. So you were drunk last night. Now, at first glance, when we ask the newbie actor, what do they mean by that? They're just informing them that they were drunk last night. Yes, I mean, over and over again, you hear the same, you were drunk last night, I'm annoyed with you about you being drunk last night. Uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with that in and of itself, except that that's what absolutely everybody does with the line. They reiterate the meaning of you being drunk last night and that's all it means There's, it doesn't go beyond that so let's look at some some different alternative subtext examples of that line you were drunk last night um it could be so a good subtext could be i'm deeply disappointed in you right you were drunk last night mm -hmm. um if we take it out of the context of this scene, we could easily be a little bit more excited. That person could be supportive, you know? Yeah, the subtext could be, you look like you had a great time. Right, you were, you were drunk last night. You know, well done, congratulations. Yeah, and not really, not really could mean underneath, 
It could mean, oh, I've embarrassed myself again, haven't I? Right. Yeah. And it can mean, hey, just leave me alone, okay? And it can mean, no, I wasn't. And it can mean, um, it's none of your business. Uh, and it can mean, I don't want to talk about it. And all of those different ways will lead the scene forward in different ways. But what those, that pairing doesn't, we don't want it to mean is I'm telling you when you were drunk and I'm saying I wasn't really very drunk because the lines have already done that. That's not what you bring to a scene. You don't bring the lines. Like Adler said, your job is not to act the lines. Your job is to embody them underneath them uh, by having this opinion, by developing the subtext, by going from the context, working out the intention, thinking about the thoughts, the emotions, the actions, right through to the words. And then you've got this, this multiplicity of, of options and opportunities for how to bring that line to life. Not least of all, we haven't even talked about this, looking at the other actor and seeing what they're giving you, which is a trigger mm-hmm. of its own. Mm-hmm. So wrapping up then, if you're looking at a monologue or a scene, step away from it for a second, look at it from a, a bit of a distance, don't just get to your bits and think, oh, I'm gonna say that, right? Try and think of the context, Try and look at your intention behind it. What are you trying to achieve? What thoughts do, that, does that, do they trigger? What emotions uh, get triggered in that process? And then you could look at each line and literally right underneath it, a statement that describes what you really mean and how you feel about it, okay? So a good subtext shouldn't end in a question and it shouldn't be a rewrite of the line. Okay, and it should always be connected to what you're trying to achieve contextually in the scene. Some you could call that an objective, say, or a task. So that is the wonderful world of subtext at a glance. I'm sure we'll come back to it. No doubt. I think we could talk about it till the cows come home. Uh, but as we're nearing the end of our of our podcast. Um, Just to remind you, you can get more free tips, advice, help at our website, actingcoachscotland.co.uk slash blog. You can subscribe to this uh, on iTunes and you can have a sneaky peek behind the scenes of what we're doing in the studio by looking at our Instagram, which is we are acting coach Scotland. Well, he has been Nick J Field and he has been Mark Westbrook. And uh, we'll see you next time. See you next time. You can find Acting Coach Scotland on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at hello underscore ACS, or see behind the scenes at the studio on Instagram at We Are Acting Coach Scotland.